Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. I'd like to start today by expressing my gratitude to all of you who listen to this podcast. We just passed the 10 million download mark, which is millions more than I ever thought we'd get when I started this podcast. So thanks again. It is a real privilege to be part of your life each week. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Youth and Opportunity by Thomas Tapper, published in 1912. When discussing the factors of success, comparatively few people would fail to insist that the one thing above all others in desirability and importance is money. We give precedence to money because we believe in its power, and yet, at the same time, it is the most impotent of our many servants. Rightly regarded, money is a wholesome possession. The amount of good it can be made to do is so astounding that it is no wonder we regard it as the greatest thing in the world. Yet it is not the greatest thing in the world. It is merely one essentially important thing, and about its importance everyone should rightly inform themselves. Not infrequently the person who inherits money fails to perceive its just value. They neither realize mentally, nor feel physically, the pride that came to the one who originally earned the money by frugality and labor. It is the thoughtful, active worker who is the careful steward, who perceives the real meaning and right value of money. Let us then keep before us the average worker and their money, and let us ask what their money means, what its power is, and how it may serve them now and in the future. For every person who earns little or much, looks upon money almost hungrily as the one resource of safety. They want the use of it now, and the comfort of it in the future. Most people, however, get the one, the use of it in the present, but not the other, the future protection of it. Can a person have both? It is a comforting fact to state that they can. But in order that a worker of any status may have this twofold use of money, they must begin the study of two things. One, of the money they earn, and two, of the time they possess. From these they must get the twofold satisfaction they seek, present comfort and future insurance. How shall you begin? Well, you must realize that you receive money from the world about you, either directly or through an individual employer, in exchange for what you can do. Hence, what you can do is a quality or power in yourself that you sell for money. Assuming that you give the very best there is in you for the money you receive, It then becomes clear that money is only another form of the best there is in you. You think and work, are faithful to your task, and at the end of the week, 
the pay envelope gives you these qualities back again in another form. This money is a thing you can exchange readily for other things. But before you begin to exchange it, you should pause a moment to reflect and to say to yourself, This envelope contains all the effort of my health, strength, and thought for a week. I may or may not be able to keep my health, strength, and thought up to the present pitch to the end of my life. Hence this money should protect me and mine now while I am efficient, and guarantee me protection later, when I may possibly be less so. Pursuing this line of reasoning, your first deduction will be this. Of all the evils against yourself that you commit, the wasting of money is one of the most disastrous, for it is equivalent to wasting your own power of mind and body. The money you earn should serve you faithfully, and you, in turn, must be faithful to yourself in the use of your money. Up to the present moment you have perhaps saved nothing, the rule of your life may have been a variation of easy come, easy go, but it has not put you forward. You are no better off, have nothing in hand. You are in fact a little older and a little nearer the time when your efficiency may be less than it is today. If you can succeed in seeing yourself in this light, you will begin to be a student of money. And the first thing you must do is to study, in order, the following subjects. 1. Appropriation 2. Your ability as a worker and 3. The daily leisure you enjoy. By appropriation I mean this. If you have a family, certain fixed items of expense must be met regularly. You should sit down and make out an accurate list of these. You should study this list until you are positive that it is right, that it represents only those things necessary to yourself and to your family. One of three results will then be before you. 1. Your appropriation is beyond the amount you earn. 2. It is equal to it, leaving no margin. Or 3. It is below it and actually does leave you a margin. If you find that you are living beyond your income, or even with it, your duty is to begin again and reapportion your expenses so as to leave you a margin. For your future is only secure when a margin exists. It may be ever so small, but it positively must exist or you are skating on ice so thin that you are in constant danger of breaking through and drowning yourself and your loved ones. There is required of you nothing less than the actual courage, bravery of the highest kind, to give up things you have perhaps been accustomed to, and to establish the margin you must have. If you are serious and strong, you will do it. Now that you have put your financial affairs in order, it will occur to you that anything a person cannot afford is really a waste, 
and that waste is the most expensive of all habits. Extravagance is exceptionally expensive. Theodore Roosevelt once said, Extravagance rots character. On the other hand, the habit of saving money stiffens the will and brightens the energies. If you would be sure that you are beginning right, begin to save. John Wanamaker, who started in life on a $10 a week salary, said, The difference between the office worker who spends all of their salary and the one who saves part of it is the difference in 10 years between the owner of a business and the person out of a job. Meanwhile, Andrew Carnegie, whose success in accumulating money is known to everyone, once remarked, The failure of the person who does not save their money is due not only to the fact that they have no money with which to take advantage of the opportunities that come to everyone, but also to the fact that such a person is not able or fit to avail themselves of these opportunities. The individual who cannot and does not save money cannot and will not do anything else worthwhile. Now, when you have actually adjusted your financial affairs properly, you must next consider your ability as a worker. Can you do more than your work calls for? Do you feel that you can do more and better work? If so, you must not fail to take advantage of this opportunity. It is your duty to do all the work there is within you, and it is a crime for you to do less. Next, let us discuss the value of your leisure time. It has an actual monetary value that you are justified in getting as soon as you can, and for two reasons. One, more and better work will make you a better person, a more efficient individual. And two, with the increased income of better work or a better position, you can make your expense appropriations a little more generous, giving pleasure to yourself and your family that you could not afford before, while increasing the margin to be saved. It is surprising to what extent a person's fortune seems to improve, and does improve, the moment they spend wisely, save something, study their working capacity, and turn their spare time to account. Once these conditions are established, you feel that you have yourself and your affairs well in hand, not only for today, but for tomorrow as well. You find yourself becoming more and more a person of integrity. You realize that you can get the most out of money only when you are seriously engaged in getting the most out of yourself. You take pride in knowing that you so govern money that you have made it a security for the future of yourself and your family. That higher qualities than a love of money are stimulated in a person who is a wise steward of it, has been admirably pointed out by the famous American entrepreneur Marshall Field, who said, If you want to succeed, save. 
this is true not so much because of the value of the money that the person who saves accumulates, but because of the infinitely greater value of the system and organization which the practice of saving introduces into their life. This result of the saving habit is not generally nor properly appreciated but I consider it to be almost the greatest element in the making of a young person's success. In the first place, it creates determination at the start. Then it develops steady purpose. Then sustain energy. Soon it will also produce alert, discriminating intelligence. And these all rapidly grow into an ability that enables you to take the money you have accumulated even though small in amount, and employ it with profit. Better and better returns will then follow your industry, ability, judgment, and capital, now steadily increasing. You will finally be secure, as each day widens the gulf between you and improvidence, and its invariable companion, incompetence. This is the real framework of the structure of success. Each of its supports rests upon a foundation stone of an early dollar saved. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get the best of our podcast in heirloom hardcover or digital ebook by visiting inspirationallifelessons.com. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.